as I was saying, perspective. It's a matter of perspective. We all have different perspectives. I remember as a young guy, I worked at McDonald's. I was a manager. As a manager of McDonald's, you stood in front where you would order the grill to make so many different hamburgers and whatever. And back in the back where the office was, there was a clock. And I can remember being there and thinking it was like an eternity. And five minutes passed. And now today, when I do things and rush around and whatever, five hours will pass and it'll seem like five minutes. So I've told Libby, there are times that I think maybe I ought to go back to work for McDonald's to extend my life because it just seemed to drag on. Perspective also comes with you and I are going to have the same surgery. For you, it's a minor surgery. For me, it's major. Okay, that's the perspective. And then one last example of perspective. Five minutes is really not all that long unless you're underwater. So it kind of depends on where you are and what the circumstances are as a matter of perspective. Jesus is going to perform two miracles. Each of the three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, who talk about this all give one relevant fact. And we'll discuss what that relevant fact is in a moment. But Jesus will continue to perform miracles and do things that gets him notoriety and fame and maybe acknowledgement that he is the Son of God. And so in Mark, it says this in verse 21, chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed over again, and that was when he had gone over to Gisenaret, and now he's come back over. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd around him, there was a, gathered a large crowd around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him, saying, earnestly saying, My little daughter is at the point of death, please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. This man's perspective is that he has a little daughter. Now for parents generally, but in, for moms especially, your 30 and 40 year old is still your baby. Doesn't matter how old they are, they're still your baby. And sometimes the children, the, the sons or the daughters, aren't thrilled with the fact that their parents still look at them as children, but unfortunately we tend to do. And that was magnified. I had to go a few years ago to an infant CPR class. And they were showing how to do infant CPR and different things and, and what ages that they were. And, and the nurse said, but remember, your baby is not always a baby. And she said that her uh, young child, who was around four or so, had had some hard candy and swallowed it and got lodged in his throat and couldn't breathe. 
because it was her baby, she was trying to apply infant CPR on a toddler until she discovered her baby wasn't a baby. And so Jairus comes and, and implores Jesus to do something because his little girl is not only just sick, she's sick to the point that she will die. When we have ourselves or family members who are at that point, there are times we will put away unbelief. We will do whatever it needs. And so some people will go to Mexico to, to try to get drugs to help them extend their lives and do whatever because they're desperate. Here we have a synagogue official. Now the Pharisees and the scribes and others basically officially disliked Jesus and wanted to see him die. But this synagogue official, knowing of who Jesus is and what he has done and the situation that his little girl is in, seeks Jesus' help. And Jesus could have said, well, you know, you're part of the religious establishment. You guys oppose me, so I'm not coming. Or Jesus could have done like he did with the centurion, goes, I can heal from a distance. Or from the other father who came seeking Jesus' healing of his child, and Jesus said, they're healed. But in this case, verse 24, and he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing on him. And so again, wherever Jesus goes, he creates a crowd because they're looking to see what he's going to do. And they've heard Jairus implore Jesus so everybody wants to see what Jesus is going to do. In verse 25, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So here we have this woman. Just from her ailment, we can understand that a hemorrhage is a loss of blood. When you lose blood physically, you become tired. You become much more susceptible to other diseases. It's difficult to do things. Second, we see that it's had a financial devastation in her. She spent all that she had hoping that someone could heal her. She was desperate, like many people who are ill, to be healed. But another factor, she's isolated. Well, how do I know that she's isolated? Because in that culture, under their biblical restraint, if you were bleeding, if you had blood, if you had an issue of blood, you were considered unclean. And any person you touch would be unclean. And there was a whole ritual that was required for you to bathe and to change clothes and to wait a prescribed period of time before, in essence, you would be considered clean to go back out in society. So this woman was isolated. She could no longer touch people. People could no longer touch her because that would render them 
unclean. So she was physically sick. She was financially devastated. And she was relationally isolated. But after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. So we see the She's going to take a risk. She's not going to try to touch him, but she's thinking, if I can just touch his garment. And others will say that there are the tassels that, that the rabbis would wear on their prayer shawls and documents. And others say she wasn't trying necessarily to touch the garment, but just the tassel. But whatever it was, she was saying, well, what can I do to acquire healing, but not necessarily touch him? So she goes, if I just touch his garment. Immediately, the flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Now, Having just told you that this woman, if she touched anyone, would render them unclean. And the power of Jesus' healing at the touch tells me this. Not only is our Savior sinless, He is always ritually clean. We will see later that He will do something that would render Him unclean, but he changes that fact as well. And so this power immediately proceeds from him because he remains clean so that he can continue to perform his ministry. So he says, who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? This is one thing I can at least tell that the disciples at least kind of normal guys. They're going, we're looking around. Everybody wants to be close to you. Everybody wants to see what you're doing. We're being jostled back and forth, and you're asking, did one person touch you? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You see, she thinks she's in trouble. So she tells him the whole truth. This is what I did, and this is why I did it, and that there were physicians who had tried to heal me, and I just thought you could, if I just touched your garment, could heal me. And he said to her, daughter, notice automatically the affinity. It's not just person or woman, it's daughter. It's now like a family relationship, which would take the fear that this woman has away. Daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus tells her, not only did you become healed by the touch, but you are permanently healed of your affliction. I don't heal for a moment and pass on. Jesus heals to go in peace. And while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Here this woman had a belief that if she just touched Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And yet we've seen in Jesus' life and ministry that he has raised the dead of others. Having seen what he could do, they simply say, it's beyond hope. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus, overhearing what had been, was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. He doesn't tell what the remedy is going to be. He doesn't say, well, maybe I'm going to give a nice sermon at her funeral and everything will be great. He says, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So notice, while the entire crowd was coming with him to see what was happening, not only was not the crowd coming, but only three of the twelve disciples were permitted to go with the synagogue official. And they came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. Now, there's both two things going on. One is, there is a natural grief that happens when you lose a child. People are going to cry. People are going to be sorrowful. People are going to have a commotion. But there's also a cultural aspect to this. There would be those in those days who would hire mourners. So it looked like everybody was really upset that the person died. And so, it was very common to be very extroverted when it comes to your grief. In our Western society, we tend to say, well, keep a stiff upper lip. You know, you're not supposed to let the tears flow. You're not supposed to do these things. Not so in their culture. They let their grief out. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. Why are you all upset? Notice the immediate change of emotion. They began laughing at him. Now, if you thought somebody was a little odd for making this claim, you would think the last thing you would do would be laughing during this time. You would kind of just say, well, the guy's crazy. But they begin to laugh at Jesus and putting them all out. Maybe if they'd have waited to see what Jesus can do and will do, they would get to participate in this great miracle. But instead, Jesus let them exit the house. 
But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, come, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now again, this would be a position where Jesus would become unclean by touching a dead body. But Jesus is not touching a dead body. He's touching a little girl who's asleep. Yes, she's dead. She's asleep. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. For she was 12 years old. Now this is where the perspective comes. If we were to look at the woman and we were to say, she had this hemorrhage for 12 years, you would say, oh my goodness, that is so long to have that illness, to have that pain and that suffering. That's so long to be isolated. That's so long to be devastated by your finances. 12 years, it's an incredibly long period of time. And yet, for the little child, we would say, but she's only 12 years old. She had her whole life ahead of her. She died at such a young age. The same 12 years. As a matter of fact, if you take a look, in essence, the woman's hemorrhage lasted the entire life of the child. Oh, but she's so young. Oh, but it's so long. Depends which perspective you look at. And immediately they were astonished. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. You see, not only did Jesus heal her, he healed her and raised her completely so that all of her bodily functions would continue. She would need sustenance. She would eat. Her body could work. When Jesus performs a miracle, he doesn't do it partially. He does it fully. What is it that we can learn from these two passages about perspective. All too often, when difficult times come, whether it be illness, death, poverty, whatever the circumstances may be, we tend to look at it from our perspective. God, what are you doing to me? Why does this have to happen to me? Why is it that I can't be whatever? And we have all these instead of looking at it at God's perspective. Because God is sovereign. And he was fully aware that this woman had a hemorrhage for 12 years. And God took the opportunity of the healing of this woman so that people might see and give glory to God. And yes, this little girl, 12 years old, died but was raised again so that God might be given glory. Even to religious leaders. 
or it was the mother and father, the father being a synagogue official, who was allowed to see the miracle. It doesn't tell us whether they obeyed Jesus. Most of the time, when Jesus tells somebody to not to say anything, they do. He tells us to say something, and we don't. Perspective. Sometimes the hardest thing to change is our perspective. And so, my call for reflection and commitment is when the next difficult circumstance happens. Instead of looking at the circumstance, say, God, what is it that you're trying to show me and what is it that you're going to do? Because quite frankly, all too often, we think it's about us. When God wants to give us an opportunity to show just how wonderful he is, that he never leaves us or forsakes us, that he performs miracles even when we think it can't be done, even in the face of other people's laughter. One of our members graduated from the Sheriff's Academy. And I still remember the speaker that day who spoke. And I'm not certain, I think he had cancer, but he had a health issue. And he gave a discussion about it. And his statement was, many people, if not most, say, why me? He goes, I try to understand why not me? Why not let God use you to show who he is? And all too often that means very difficult situations and circumstances. It may mean it's five minutes underwater. It may seem to last an eternity. But no matter what the circumstances, God gives us hope because God will answer. It may be in the lady's situation where he heals her. It may be in the little child's situation where he raises her from the dead. Or it may be at the last day. But God performs His promise. We can rest assured no matter what our perspective is. With that, I would ask you to stand with me as we pray.